Well, we are jumping into week two of a series we're calling Overcome, which is really just a series about us overcoming the things in life that are holding us back, the things that uh, have trapped us and, and, and bound us up. But the biblical word, kind of church word for this would be just really about deliverance. Like, how do we live in victory? How do we live in freedom that God so desperately wants us to live in? Now, I want you to know that, that God's plans for your life is not to be trapped and stuck. And, you know, there may be some seasons of that, but that's not God's ultimate plan for your life, that he wants you to live a life of, of freedom. And, and so we really just wanted to take three weeks to, to learn what the Bible has to say about how we can have that life. You need to know that, and I think you do know this, but I want you to know that our heart at River City, please hear me, our heart at River City is to be a refuge, a safe place for people who are struggling with addictions and bondage and things that are holding them back. Um, By choice and just because, not only by choice, but that's also because that's who God's sending us, all right? So every day, every Sunday, more and more people are walking through the doors, and when you hear their stories, it's... They're similar but different, similar in the fact that they are struggling in life with being bound up. And what I love about what God's doing at River City, what I love about what God's doing in this body, uh, this church family, is that as more and more of you have come in and God has begun to do incredible things in your life, what I've loved to do is I'll meet somebody and I'll say, hold on, let me introduce you to somebody. And I'll grab their arm and I'll say, hey, and I'll attach them to one of you guys and be like, yeah, you tell them your story because God's done incredible things in your life too. So I just want you to know, if, if you feel uncomfortable around people who are struggling with things, this is not the church for you, all right? Because we're struggling, all right? But we're getting there and God's doing some incredible things and he keeps sending people to the door. So I want you to know, all of you who have stories and experiences, not that you're out of it yet, but that God is helping you and delivering you and and changing you and making you into a new person. He's not just doing that for you. I want you to know that. He's also doing that for the person and the people that he's going to use you to help reach and to help mentor and develop and grow. I want you to know that. So don't just think that this is about what God's doing in you because it's not, all right? So I just want you to know that because it's happening like crazy And we recognize that it's happening, and we're talking as a staff and as a team, like how can we be a better church and more effective church to help people who are struggling with uh, those addictions and those those really just the fight of their lives. So so we're aware of that, and we're we're just praying that God will help us to have a more clear picture of that. So this series has really come out of that heart. Like, hey, God, whoa, okay, we recognize that this place is getting filled with, with those of us not even just, doesn't have to just be drugs and alcohol, I want you to understand that, but just, just life has bound us up. And how do we find freedom? How do we live a victorious life? So we're gonna, we're gonna dive into week two. And I'm gonna read several scriptures to you today, but I was doing my devotions a couple of weeks ago and a lot of us around here use this SOAP method. S stands for scripture, O stands for observation, A stands for application, P stands for prayer. You read the Bible, you write down a scripture that stands out and then you do some writing about it and and so I was reading through my devotions and, and came across a verse that led me to another verse that led me to another verse. And I read this and I'd read it before, but because the Bible is this living, breathing book, you can read something you've read a hundred times and God could kind of teach you something new about it. And so I'm reading in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. And here's what it says. It'll be up on the screen for you, but it says, for you are a slave 
to whatever controls you, okay? Now, all of us, or most of us in here would be like, hey, listen, I'm not a slave. It doesn't control me. But let's just be honest. A lot of us have lost control, okay? We've lost control. We don't have control anymore. And the Bible says you're a slave to whatever controls you. So there's something else in your life dictating the terms to you. Something else is in charge and is controlling your life. Verse 20 says, and when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which that's not even the point of the message, but that's an incredible verse, that you can escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which so many of you have experienced, and then get tangled up and enslaved in sin again. So he says, you're a slave, something controls you, you find freedom in Jesus Christ, and then, and we've all been there, we've all done that, we begin to slide back into that sin, that magnet of sin is pulling us, that slippery slope of sin begins to pull us. So it says, and you escape from it, but then you get tangled up and enslaved in it again, you're worse off than before, which most of us would say that's true. I don't know what it is about finding freedom and then falling back into sin, you feel like you gotta make up for lost time when you get back in there. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, I missed a couple good months. I gotta make up for it. I don't know what happens, but it's always worse. You know I'm telling the truth too. And look at verse 21, because this is crazy. You're not supposed to say this in church, but this is what it says in 21. It says, it would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. So Peter, this is nuts. Peter is saying, you would have been better off to never have found freedom in Christ and then gone back to it than if you just stayed there to begin with because it always ends up worse off. Jesus said the same thing in a passage of scripture in the New Testament, which is, it's kind of crazy. We may talk about it next week a little bit, but he said, a person who's demon possessed gets delivered from being demon possessed, but he doesn't fill his heart with any good things. And so the demon goes and gets seven of his demon friends and comes back in. The dude's worse off than he was before, which is a crazy verse, but it's the same principle of what Jesus is saying, right? Verse 22, so they go back into that life and it says they prove the truth of this proverb. So he's gonna quote a proverb. He says, a dog returns to its vomit and another says a washed pig returns to the mud. So you are enslaved, something is controlling you doesn't have to be drugs and alcohol, even though it seems like a lot of us are entangled in that. It could be addictions to all sorts of things. It could be things that we're addicted to that the world tells us is not bad to be addicted to, but we're still addicted to, like food, caffeine, technology, whatever it is, right? There is something that controls us, right? We get out of it. We find freedom in Jesus, We fall back into it, and he quotes a proverb and says, it's like that old proverb that says a dog returns to his vomit, or some people would say a pig who's cleaned up returns to the mud. Well, that's kind of how I went on this journey doing my devotions that day, because what he's quoting is from Proverbs chapter 26, all right? You don't have to to flip over there. It'll be up on the screen for you, but this is what it says. He's, He's referring to Proverbs 26, 11, and here's what Proverbs 26, 11 says. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit, this is gross, but just go with me for a second. As a dog returned to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. How many people in here have ever repeated your foolishness? Let me see your hand. Uh Uh-huh. Right? I mean, I am 
repeating my foolishness all the time. And Proverbs 26, 11 says, it's like a dog going back to its vomit. It's like a pig who was clean, now going back into the mud. So a fool repeats his foolishness. And I had read verse 12 lots of times as I've been reading through the Bible because 12 comes after 11. But for whatever reason, I had never attached verse 12 to verse 11 because Proverbs is written kind of like singular statements. But then look at verse 12. It says, there is more hope for fools than for people who think they're wise. So I've read 2611 a lot in my life, and I've thought, I'm a fool. Why am I so foolish? Why do I keep repeating my foolishness? Why am I so dumb? Why do I keep doing this? I swore I'd never do it again, but I keep doing it. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Anybody ever had that conversation with yourself? And I'm thinking, I'm such a fool, feeling defeated feeling like there's no hope, feeling like it will never get any better, never attaching verse 12. Verse 12 says, there's hope for the fool. There's hope for the fool. There's way more hope for the fool than there is for the people who think they're wise. I don't normally give messages, uh, my messages titles, but I'm gonna give this a title today. We're gonna call this message, there's hope for the fool. There's hope for, turn to the person you're sitting beside right now and just tell them, say, there's hope for you. There is hope for you. There is hope for the fool, all right? Don't hold it against them. I told them to tell you that, all right? Now, you got a piece of paper when you came in here today. Pull that out in your worship guide. What I want to do, I want to I try to be like super, 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 super practical today, all right? Next week, we're going to get into a little more of the heavier spiritual side of bondage and addiction and things like that. But what I want to do today is be super, super practical. Hopefully you can walk out the doors and apply what we're going to say and find, just like feel different in your life, find some freedom in your life, okay? So I want to read Romans chapter 12. You can flip there if you want to. If not, it'll be up on the screen. We're reading a bunch of scripture today. But I want to read Romans chapter 12. This is Paul uh, writing to, the, to, the, to, to Rome, the, the Christians in Rome. And this is what he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Anybody in here could stand being a new person? Anybody? All right. He says, but be transformed into a new person by changing the way that you act. No, that's not what it says. I'm sorry. It says, by changing the way that you what? Think. It's not about how you act, it's about how you think, because thoughts become actions. He says, then you will learn, after you change the way that you think, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect, because of the privilege and the authority God has given me. I give each of you this warning. Listen, he's going to warn us, talking about not acting like the world, talking about changing the way that we think. I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Don't think you're better than you really are. And that, that's what Proverbs 26, 12 said, didn't it? It said, there's hope for the fool who repeats his foolishness. Much more hope than the man who thinks he's wise, okay? We gotta start by just saying, like, I'm a fool. I'm crazy. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I can't. I'm not, not tearing ourselves down, but I'm just saying, just being honest about, I do keep repeating my foolishness. I do keep doing what I don't wanna do and not doing the things I wanna do, okay? He says, don't think of yourself better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, which is near impossible to do, which is why we need good, honest friends in our lives. 
Because all of us have a little David Hasselhoff syndrome that we don't realize we're not as cool as we think we are. Come on. Okay? We've talked about that before, but you know what I mean. He needs somebody in his life. But anyway, okay, he says, be honest in your values. Measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. That's huge. That means we're all not at the same place, but we're just going to measure ourselves against where God has brought us up to this point, which is a, is a huge thing. So he says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. Stop acting like the world, but let God transform you into a new person. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not who I want to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not acting how I want to act. I'm not feeling the way that I want to feel. He says, let God change you into a new person to break you free, to give you victory. Let him make you into a new person in your life by changing the way that you think. We got to change our thinking. We got to stop thinking like the world. Because as long as we think like the world, we're going to be bound and trapped and stuck and depressed and miserable like the world is. Now listen, sin is not always miserable. Sin is fun for a while. Can I get an amen? Anybody? I mean, it's like, it's not that bad all the time. But what happens is eventually we get to a place to where we're a slave to something that controls us. Okay? So, so there comes points, there comes times and seasons in our lives where we say, you know what? I haven't always felt this way. There, I, I've kind of enjoyed living the way that I've lived for a while, but I don't want to live that way anymore. The Holy Spirit is, is making me feel like I want to be a new person. I want to be a different person. I'm not going to think like the world anymore because I want God to make me into a new person. So what I want to do today, the sheet of paper you've got, is I want to give you three ways that the world thinks. Let me give you three ways the world thinks that I believe a lot of us have fallen into the trap of thinking like the world, that I believe we got to stop thinking like the world. My grandfather says we got to change our stinking thinking, all right? So we got to stop thinking like the world and start thinking the way that God would have us think if we really want to find freedom and find victory in our lives, all right? So let's, let's look at the first one, talking about the way that the world thinks, not acting like the world, being like the world, changing our thinking. The first thing that the world says or the first thing that the world thinks that we sometimes pick up on and start believing is that it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. There's a lot of people worse off than you are. What you're doing is not that bad. Don't worry about it. Don't panic. Don't be afraid. You're going to be fine. You'll get, you know, it's not that bad. I would be willing to bet that there's a lot of us in the room today, if we had time to share our stories, could go back and tell about seasons in our lives where we were starting at the beginning of something and we thought that it wasn't that bad what we were in the beginning of, right? And it started out, and we said, it's not that bad. But there was this voice inside of us. There was this thought. There was this feeling of, maybe it is bad. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be. But we believed and bought into people saying, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. Everybody does this. It's no big deal. You're young. Have fun. You only live once. You know, go for it. This is, this is the way it's supposed to be. It's not, it's not that bad. It's just, it's just a little bit of porn, which everybody looks at. So it's no big deal. It's, it's, it's just a conversation with somebody you're not married to that you like a little too much. But you know what? It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Yeah, you got a little carried away this weekend, but it was just the weekend. It's not that bad. The world says it's not that bad. God says, guard your heart. God says, guard your heart. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. 
He says, guard your heart above all else. For your heart, it determines the course of your life. Determines the course of your life. And then look at the next A word that we don't really like to say. Avoid. Take a detour. Go the long route. Go away. Avoid perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Make out a straight path for your feet. Another way I can say that is like, have a plan, have a goal. Who do you want to be? Where are you trying to be? What are you trying to do? Right? Make out a straight path for yourself. Right? Stay on the safe path. Can we just be honest? The safe path is boring. The safe path is no fun. He says, guard your heart and stay on the safe path. And what's so tough about the safe path is you got lots of friends who are not on the safe path and they seem to be doing okay. And you're saying, well, why I got to be on the safe path? They don't have to be on the safe path. They always land on their feet. He says, guard your heart and stay on the safe path. I don't care if it's a heaven or hell issue. I don't care if it's, a, if it's, a, if it's you know, not a black or white issue. I don't care. I just want you to guard your heart. Because what's going to happen is you're going to think something's not that bad and then you're going to blink and you're going to be a slave to it. You're going to be a slave to it. He says, don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Just stay away from it. I know it's boring, but stay away from it. I know that everybody's, you know, using credit cards. I know that everybody's going to those places. I know that everybody's doing those things. I I get it. And it's not fun and it's not sexy and it's safe and it's boring. And you're like, this is no fun. Listen, stay on the safe path. We're talking about having freedom. Some of you in here, you're in a place where you're totally bound up and you have no freedom. And I hope that this this change in thinking will help you. But for some of you here, this is some preventive help, okay? That you're at a place right now where maybe you are telling yourself it's not that bad. Guard your heart. Stay on the safe path. I'm not saying it's going to destroy you, but I'm saying all the stories that I hear start out with people who thought it wasn't that bad. Everybody doesn't end up a slave, but a lot of people do. So I'm not up here saying it's a black or white issue. You know, let's name 10 things and say wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, right. I'm just saying God says guard your heart and ask yourself, am I on the safe path? Am I taking the safe path? Am I avoiding? Am I detouring? Am I going the long route to stay away from something that could be bad for me? So we got to stop thinking it's not that bad. We have to stop getting into situations and justifying what, I do, what we're doing by going, well, that's not that bad. could be worse. Well, sure, it could be worse, but why would you want it to be worse? Okay? All right, number one, it's not that bad. We're changing the way we think. We don't want to think like the world. So the world says it's, it's not that bad. God says guard your heart. Number two, the world says do what makes you happy. The world says do what makes you happy. Happy. God says, do what makes me happy. Do what makes God happy. So the world says, do what makes you happy. God says, do what, make, do what makes God happy. If I had to pick one, and this is just my opinion, but if I had to pick one area where I feel like the church, the Christians are the most in trouble, where we have not differentiated ourselves 
from the world in the sense that I could go, oh yes, that's a follower of Jesus and that's not a follower of Jesus. It would be in this area right here that whether you follow God or you don't, it seems like we've all bought into the law that our happiness is most important. So much so that I will talk to people who are uh, uh, going to church, serving God, volunteering, and then all of a sudden one day they'll say, yeah, I'm leaving my spouse and I'm gonna go be with this person. And it's like, how did, you, how did you get to that place and say, well, I'm just not happy? And I'm not saying that this is what God's will is for my life, but I am saying that God would want me to be happy. And, and we buy into this thought, like, well, happiness is the ultimate goal. The problem with that is the Bible, because like 11 of the 12 disciples died martyrs' death. Moses never got into the promised land. Samson had his eyes plucked out. I mean, I could just keep going and going and going and going and going. Like, it wasn't always happiness, but let me tell you what it always was, was joy. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness says, like, how can I feel good right now? And you're not always going to feel good following Jesus. It's not always going to feel good, right? But joy says, I have, like, this, I have this, this satisfaction in life. And can we just be honest today and admit that all the things that we think are going to satisfy us never satisfy us? Honestly. Like, it's not that they're not enjoyable in the moment, because they are. It is fun. So please don't hear me saying that it's not fun. I used to always get a little confused, like, growing up, my youth pastor and people would be like, talk about how sin was never fun. I'd be like, I'm having a blast. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm on a different track than everybody else, but I'm, I'm liking it. I'm enjoying this. Right? There are, like, yeah, it's enjoyable in the moment. But ask yourself why you still aren't happy. It's like you enjoyed it, but, like, you're still not happy. You're miserable, really. And so the world says, do what makes you happy. And Matthew 6.33 says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything that you need. One of the biggest things one of the hardest things to convince someone of is that they can still enjoy life with Jesus away from all of the things that used to bring them enjoyment. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when I try to talk to my friends with no kids and say, dude, you'll have kids, you'll never go out anymore, you'll just play Uno and order pizza and stay in sweatpants on the weekends, but it's awesome. <laughs> and my friends are like, that sounds like the worst thing ever. But come on, parents. I mean, you know, Uno and pizza delivery is pretty good. And now when I try to go see a 930 movie with my friends with no kids, I'm like, what are we doing? What is this? Well, it's 11 o'clock. What are we doing? I'm eating popcorn at 11 o'clock. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, you know what I mean? So I don't know where that came from. But anyway. You'll talk to people and they'll say like, well, that's like following Jesus couldn't be any fun. And what's keeping them from really following God is this idea that I want to be happy. I want to be happy. And you know what? Drinking until I'm absolutely out of my mind will make me happy. Finding this next high will make me happy. Being in a new relationship and leaving my family will make me happy. Sex with another person will make me happy. Another job will make me happy. More money will make me happy. A nicer neighborhood will make me happy. A new car will make me happy. It never works. 
it never, if, it, if it's working for anybody, speak up now and let us know so that we can do what you're doing. But I can tell you from my life, it just never works. It never works. And so if we want to be a new person and we want to be free and we want to stop being bound up and chained up and being slaves to stupid things that we can't find freedom from, we've got to change our thinking. And we've got to stop thinking, what will make me happy? Do whatever makes me happy. And that kind of leads us to our third one. The world says it's not that bad. The world says do what makes you happy. The third one says the next thing will be the best thing. This is the world's thinking. That the next thing will be the best thing. Isn't this really marketing 101? Like, I mean, you, you could be totally happy and satisfied with what you have until you see a commercial saying there's something newer. Listen, I got, I got the iPhone 6 right here, all right? I've had the 3, the 3G, the 4, the 4S, the 5. I just keep upgrading, right? You know, and I'll, I'll be ha- the next thing will be the, until the next thing comes out. Then that one's going to be the best thing. Uh, you know, I, I've purchased cars and thought, man, this is the greatest car I've ever driven. You know what I found out? French fries still go in the floorboard, no matter what car. Kids still spilling drinks, no matter what the car is. It don't smell that good after like a week and a half. The next relationship will be the best relationship. How many, have we ever thought that? Well, he's different. She's different. They won't treat me like that. They'll be interested in me. They'll pursue me. They'll love me the way that I need to be loved. And we've just got to stop thinking that way and realize that we're the problem. And I'm not saying that other people don't do things to us. I'm just saying, like, the unrest that is in us is the problem. The next thing is never the best thing. It's fun when we get it. Or like the kid at Christmas who gets the gift he thinks is the greatest gift ever, can't find it a week later, or breaks it. I need the next thing. Yesterday, the ice cream truck was rolling through my neighborhood, which we normally stay away from $4 popsicles, but it was rolling through the neighborhood, and I honestly had no cash on me. And Sadie said, uh, Daddy, I want some ice cream from the ice cream truck. I said, well, buddy, I don't have any money. I'm sorry. And she had a friend over, and then Nora was there. And she said, well, I've got money. I said, well, you do have money. She said, I got money up in my jars. We have three jars in her room, God, save, and spend. And so she, you know, puts her money in there, whatever. So she goes up, and she, she, she says, I'm going to hurt. She runs up, and she grabs all the cash out of her jar and brings it down to me and just throws it at me. And I pick it up, and she had $11. And we go outside to the ice cream truck, and her and Nora and her friend Addison got three pieces of ice cream. It was $10.50, and we gave the guy 50-cent tip. She spent everything that she had, and she loved that popsicle. (laughs) And I said to her later on the day, I said, Sadie, you know all your money's gone. And it dawned on her at that moment that she had nothing left. I know it's an incredibly sad story, but (laughs) it's a great parenting moment, but... In the moment, she was willing to give everything she had, to give it all up to get that popsicle. And then later, she realized that it took her a long time to save up $11. Now, we're going to get the floor vacuumed a lot in the next two months, which is fine. That's great. But you understand my point. How many times have we done that? How many times do we keep doing that? 
where we give away everything that we have thinking that that popsicle will do it. And the worst part about all of it is not what we did, the worst part about all of it is how we feel after we do it. Because we're so angry at ourselves and feel like it'll never change and it'll never work and we're never gonna be any better and life will never, right? That's, that's what the enemy just keeps saying to us. The devil just keeps saying to us, you're a failure, you'll never get it, you'll never do it. Listen, don't you believe that mess? Proverbs 26, 12 says, there's hope for the fool. There is hope for the fool that keeps repeating his foolishness. There's hope for the fool that keeps repeating his foolishness. There is hope for the fool. The, word, the, only thing that, the only way you lose hope is if you start thinking that you're wise. And you start thinking you've got it. So the world says it's not that bad. The world says do what makes you happy. The world says the next thing will be the next thing. I didn't read the scripture, but you can read it. It's there on your paper, 1 Corinthians 6. God says guard your heart. God says do what makes God happy. God says, be content. It's not as fun as what everybody else appears to be fun. It's the safe route. It, you know, yeah, I get it. But I know for me, I'm, I'm tired of emptying out my piggy bank every time I think something else will satisfy me. You know? And I really want freedom. I really want freedom in my life. I really want to live for something more and, and, and have fulfillment and joy. I really want that. And I know you do too. We want to find that. And I believe God will give it to us. He'll make us into a new person. We've got to change the way we think. So figure out somewhere to put these statements. Figure out somewhere to put them on your car, put them on your phone, put them on your mirror, whatever you got to do. So that when you start thinking to yourself, you know what, it's not that bad, start saying to yourself, you know, it may be that bad. It may be that bad. Next time you start thinking to yourself, like, you know what, this will really make me happy. Say, you know what, will this make God happy? This is not a guilt condemnation thing. John 3, 17, he didn't come to condemn the world. But this is you saying, you know what? I'm tired of being a slave. I'm tired of being controlled. The next time you start thinking, you know what? This next thing will be the best thing. Just tell yourself, like, it's never been true. Change your thinking. Let's pray. Bow your heads.